There is just no sugarcoating it. COVID-19 is causing major issues worldwide, both to human health and to people's livelihoods. A lot of businesses have been able to turn off the lights, close the doors and self-isolate. Not quite that easy for zoos, you cannot just turn the animals off. How are zoos faring at the moment? Let's talk to a zoo vet. My name is Sarah Jane um, and I am a zoo veterinarian at Marwell Zoo, uh, which is near Winchester in Hampshire in the UK. This is the Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr. Brian Greger from New Zealand. So I guess the first question, Sarah Jane, is are zoos in the UK still open? No, not that I am aware of. Marwell certainly isn't open. We've been closed since the last week in March, and I'm not aware of any other zoos in England, Ireland, um, Scotland or Wales that are open at the moment. So are you aware of any time frame given for the opening of zoos in the UK? I think there are more talks about opening since the last announcement that was given just over a week ago now. I think zoos come under ticketed venues, so I think a lot of people within the, the sector are thinking that possibly July, August might be a time that we would start to consider to open. So in the meantime, obviously the animals need continued care. Are the zoo workers being recognised as essential workers? I think when we discuss zoo workers, we always think of um, zookeepers, but it takes many, many different types of people to sort of make the zoo work and keep operating. So we have keepers, vets, we have people in guest services and catering and and retail so there's a lot of people that go into making the organization what it is certainly we've interpreted the guidelines that uh, zookeepers and vets are essential workers the moment we still have a team of very committed and experienced zookeepers that are on duty to ensure that animal welfare isn't compromised and that it's the same as it was before covid certainly all those and the other members of staff that do work in things like retail and catering, they are considered essential in the same way because the zoo is closed as well. We don't have people coming through. Their jobs aren't really in place at the moment. So a lot of those members of staff have been furloughed. But certainly everybody that is in the animal team is still there. And then other teams like HR, they're on reduced numbers. So they still have a presence, um, but they might be working from home. Oh, and I shouldn't forget as well that we have a team of maintenance and ground staff that are also at the zoo just making sure that things are still in good working order and we still have access to electricity and water and all of those things we need to keep animal houses going. So we have discussed in a couple of previous podcasts the effect that animals can have on the transmission of the virus. Has the COVID virus been found in any zoo animals? Uh, Yes, so in April, quite early in April, uh, the Bronx Zoo announced that they had found They had tested one of their tigers positive for COVID-19. And then towards the end of the month, another three tigers and three lions were also found to be positive. And they think that those animals contracted the virus from um, a zookeeper who was asymptomatic. I guess more recently, it has been found in mink on mink farms in the Netherlands. Um, And again, they think that that was contracted from somebody that worked quite closely with them. We don't have mink in the zoo, but zoos will have animals that are members of the the same family as mink, I guess. What about non-human primates? I mean, they're genetically a lot closer to humans. They, I I would assume they've been tested. Are they able to contact the virus? Yeah, so I think maybe uh, there's been a lot more talk 
around the impact that this could have on primates because we are so closely related. From my understanding, the coronavirus acts via the ACE2 receptor and that receptor is only found in the great apes, so ourselves, chimpanzees, gorillas, orangutan, um, and also in old world monkeys, so a lot of the macaques, and then primates that you see in Africa and Asia. To my understanding, I don't think the new world monkeys that you would find in South America have that receptor, so we don't think that they can get it, but certainly we're, we're worried about our old world primates. There has been a lot of talk about the impact that COVID could have on wild populations of these apes, especially in areas that sort of rely on ecotourism, which obviously isn't happening at the moment. I do think there's been any recorded cases of COVID-19, but we are aware that other coronaviruses have been found in um, wild chimpanzees a few years back. So I think people are quite concerned that that could be a problem for them. Is there a risk of transmission to the visitors or the keepers at the zoo or vice versa? Can it go back the other way? As with everything seems to be at COVID at the moment, there are a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainties. Certainly, I think um, in the last few days, there has been, I haven't seen so many official reports, but I've certainly seen in the news that they think that the mink on the farm in the Netherlands have now passed COVID back into the workers at the mink farm. So I guess there could be a risk there. I think the risk of the public is incredibly low. It's the only, I mean, the public don't get very close to our animals. I mean, neither do the keepers, but especially not the public. I think probably the areas that would be the biggest risk to the public would be like walkthrough exhibits. But even then, I think the risk is incredibly small. And certainly before we closed the zoo, we took a step of closing down a lot of our walkthrough exhibits to prevent closer contact with the animals. But I think the risk to the public is incredibly low. I think with the keepers, again, we don't have a lot of contact with our animals because they're wild. Quite often, the only contact we have with them is if they're anaesthetised and we're having to look after them in a veterinary capacity. But we have changed some of the ways in which we work around them. So the keepers now are wearing, they always wear gloves around the animals, but if they have to work in a confined space and they are close to the animals for a prolonged period of time, they are now wearing uh, face masks as well as the gloves. Bats seem to be the species which have had the finger pointed at them more than most others. What is the risk of the bat exhibits in zoos? So for me to comment on that is a bit difficult because my world doesn't have a bat house. Uh, but my understanding is that the bats that are potentially implicated as being a reservoir for COVID-19 aren't kept in European zoos. I guess that's not to say that other bats can't get COVID-19. But again, I, I think probably the contact that you would have with an animal um, is still quite low and the risk is still quite low. The virus has broken through the species barrier in China. Is this possible in a zoo, being that you've got a number of different animals, albeit at a slight distance, mingling? Um, I think that would be really highly unlikely, given just the, because of the differences between those wildlife markets and zoos. I guess, yeah, I have seen some wildlife markets when I've been on my travels. And you tend to have quite a high number of animals packed into quite a small space. And the hygiene standards within those areas can be quite variable um, and can be quite poor. So these animals are all sort of have quite close contact with each other, have quite close contact with people that are coming into the markets and maybe also domestic animals that are also running around the market as well. And I think animals in that sort of environment are quite stressed as they're more likely to shed disease. Whereas if we compare that to a zoo, our animals, we have very strict about our stocking densities. You don't have a large number of animals over a small space. And then in addition to that, all of our animals are checked at least three times a day by a zookeeper, a qualified zookeeper, 
And if they have any concerns, they report it to the vet department straight away. And in addition to that, we do carry out disease surveillance and welfare monitoring throughout the whole collection. So I think our animals aren't in a position where they're stressed or they're shedding disease. We're monitoring any disease that's in the collection and it's detected really early. And then, of course, there's no consumption of animals within the zoo, which I think is the big difference, the biggest difference. There's been a little bit of talk, actually, here in New Zealand, particularly for the primates, but for a lot of the animals, the decrease in human interaction between the humans and the exhibits. Do you think this is causing any positive or negative effect? I mean, this is something that we're sort of discussing quite a lot within our team at Marwell at the moment. And I think we, at the moment, don't really feel that we have enough information to say one way or another. There's certainly been no really obvious things that we've noticed and certainly no obvious negative effects that we've noticed. At Marwell, we assess our animals. We have adapted the animal welfare assessment grid, which was initially used for laboratory animals. We've adapted that for quite a few species within the zoo. Um, So they're assessed on this grid on a daily basis. And that gives us, it's like a lifetime assessment of welfare. So we can see how it changes day on day. And we've done that when the zoo has been open and we've had visitors and we're continuing to do it now. So I think whilst we don't know at the minute, um, I think potentially with the data that we're collecting, we should be able to look back on this and see if it did have any effect. But we certainly haven't noticed anything that's been blindingly obvious or concerning. As far as the way that the staff are interacting with the animals, you mentioned it earlier about the gloving up and the masks and things like that. Is there the likelihood that there's going to be any ongoing health issues coming out of this outbreak for the animals? No, I think we've actually managed to handle things really, really well in our collection. I think we've just sort of increased um, sort of PPE that the keepers are wearing and they're maintaining social distancing rules sort of amongst each other. But they're still able to sort of do everything pretty much as normal for the animals. So they're sort of getting the the same feed, uh, the same sort of opportunities within their environments. And I think certainly as a vet team, we've been led a little bit, um, well, we've been led completely really by the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons guidance and by the British Veterinary Association. We are working from home when normally we'd be in the office um, at the zoo. So uh, we're working from home at the moment, but we're on call and the keepers are able to call us whenever they want. We're really utilising technology. So uh, sort of a lot of video calls, a lot of photos, and then we're just sort of triaging each case as it comes in and then going into the zoo to see it once we sort of have an idea of what's going on. How do you think this virus is going to affect the viabilities of zoos in general in future? I think that's a big concern that a lot of people within zoos have. So Marwell Zoo is part of Marwell Wildlife, which is a conservation charity. So we have outreach projects um, in situ with some of the animals that we work with within the zoo. And Marwell Wildlife can only do its conservation work because of, you know, a big part of that is the money that comes in to the zoo by people coming through the gate, spending time at the zoo. So really, with without that, you know, not having people visiting the zoo does have a big impact on our income um, and the work that we can possibly do. We're very fortunate um, because I think Marwell sort of really has a special place in people's hearts in Hampshire. And we've had a lot of support from the public. Um, So we have a Just Giving page that people are donating to. We've had people that are doing fundraising for us. There was a little girl, I think think she was only five, and she walked a mile a day for 10 days and raised hundreds of pounds for Marwell. So people have sort of really, you know, it's really nice that, you know, when things are really uncertain and times are a bit hard, people still love the zoo so much that they're, sort of wanting to look out for us. I think 
beyond that, I know that Biazas, the British and Irish Association of Zoo and Aquaria, and uh, the British Veterinary Zoological Society have been talking to DEFRA a lot. Um, so DEFRA have now set up the Zoo Support Fund. So zoos can apply for an animal welfare grant of up to £100,000. Um, so hopefully that will help a lot of zoos. So I think there's a lot of things that can be done to help zoos. And zoos are becoming quite imaginative in the ways that they're raising money during this time. Um, but I think it, you know, it, it, viability of zoos within COVID and maybe immediately after is is a concern for everybody. So I suppose one of the things that goes with the viability of zoos is just straight bums on seats, you know, people once the lockdowns are finished coming back to the zoos. In summary, how safe are zoos for people to visit? I think they're very safe. I think the risk of contracting COVID from a zoo animal is so incredibly low. And I think potentially when zoos are reopening, um, there has been some discussion about how will zoos reopen when they're allowed to? And I think you know, possibly we might be looking at reduced visitor numbers and then slowly building them up over time. And there'll be social distancing measures in place. You know, none of the public come into close contact with their animals. So I think the risk of any disease transmission is sort of almost really negligible. And I think actually zoos have a lot to offer people. You know, we have a lot of wide open spaces that people can walk around. They can get sort of their allotted amount of exercise that they're allowed and they can come in and see these places that they feel, these animals that they feel really connected to. I guess the viability of zoos comes down to our behaviour. It seems like the old use it or lose it mantra holds true. Once zoos are open again, make sure you make the time to visit your local zoo. Now, you would have heard Sarah Jane make mention of the Just Giving campaign Marwell Zoo is running. I have put a link to this campaign on our website, vetpodcast.weebly.com. Weebly is W-E-E-B-L-Y, as well as on our Facebook page. There is also a link for the Marwell Zoo. Don't forget the giving pages for your local zoo as well. I know that locally, Arana Park in Christchurch, New Zealand, has done one and would really appreciate any help at all. Keep safe, everybody. To find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, just search at Vet Podcast and like us while you are there. Subscribe to us on your usual podcast player and if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us on your player and share us with your friends. Our website is vetpodcast.weebly.com Weebly is W-E-E-B-L-Y or email vetpodcast at gmail.com